Welcome to our campaign, set in the galvanizing world of Electroval. Join us for an adventure full of noir intrigue and electrifying spectacle. See the description below for ways that you can stay informed on the latest episode of the series, as well as any other content featured on Dice Carnival. This episode is sponsored by C4 Labs makers of amazing tabletop gaming accessories. For a limited time, you can use the code DICECARNIVAL during checkout and receive 10% off. That is DICECARNIVAL with no spaces or caps. C4 Labs offers free shipping in the US, so it's a great way to treat yourself and directly benefit our show. Check out their new walnut display dice tray with special pockets for each die in your set. You can find it and other products at c4labs.com. The link is in the description. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a good rating if you enjoy the episode. Without further ado, let's begin. Returning to the Cream and Cherry, the casino brothel is currently occupied by the remaining group of heroes, one of which we can see deftly leaping between servers and patrons. Occasionally there may be the scream, but then the shrug, for you are not the only spider in this space, perhaps one of the larger ones, Soup. But as you find yourself leaping through this this interior, I need you to roll me a perception check. Alright. To maintain a bead on Dimitri. Got it. Um, alright. Sick. 21. What does it look like as uh, as soup in spider form, in Dave form, uh, as is your alias? What does it look like from those who might be able to see between where the other eyes do not? Uh, how does it look? In the back of your mind, you can imagine a little bit of French music as as soup leaps between different carts and kind of between little plates specifically focusing on stuff related to the culinary business because there's definitely a lot of food as well as alcohol in this place don't know why the music sounds French and why it's in your head but it's oddly fitting you see there's like a as you kind of make your way up into a little rafter area you kind of peer down two people are wrestling for a gun before you leap back as there's a loud thunderous boom the bullet goes off and the two of them are making out it. <laughs> as you have your little moment as a spider winding your way what through the, the... What do the smells do? Oh. You can smell the scent of, of stained blood, uh, petrified cheese. A bug. Spilled spirits. Dead cockroaches. And the way they are among a few. Together. It's like art. It's like an experience you've never had before. <laughs> so I feel like uh, I feel like Nisha's looking off of something here. Do you have a soup pulled up for a certain movie? So soup, as you find your way, as an inconspicuous spider in the city of a million lights. <laughs> You lose a bead on Dimitri until you realize that he is on the upper level and you begin scampering above at a time, uh, kind of like Andrew Garfield 
swinging underneath a tray for a moment with your little spider leg and leaping onto a new pillar as you climb up. Dimitri, you see, looks over his shoulder before making his way towards a sort of back room near the poker tables. Spider bear? Spider bear. And there is a click as the door gets locked. Mind you, you've been having difficulty navigating. It seemed for a while that he was kind of surveying the area, which is why, you know, it's been difficult keeping a track. It would appear that he is trying to lose vision of himself, just not accounting for the fact that a very perceptive spider is uh, trailing him from above and while staying out of sight. So you were probably maybe about 30 or so minutes through your wild shape mm -hmm. by the time you see him close and lock a door behind him as he has kind of stepped into maybe like a private meeting area. Yeah, I'm going to use a vent to get in there or at least use a vent to kind of get above the room and listen in. No real vents, but there are definitely like a crawl space between levels. I'll go and there. As you kind, and as you kind of make your way under the crawl space and kind of crawl into like a little gap in the floorboards, you find yourself crawling through a sort of dusty area, many dead insects, many dead spiders and moths kind yeah. of petrified. You just kind of pick up one on the way, little little cicada that got lost in there probably several weeks ago. You see light streaming through the dusty interior and you see like dust shake and pepper above you as you hear the sound of giggling and laughing and the clattering of furniture above you. Mm -hmm. You imagine the level above is the entertainment suite. Well, I'm ignoring that. That is, that is not my business. I am a spider here on spider business and spiders are not in the business of entertainment. You carry on until you navigate a space into the floorboards above the sort of private meeting chamber. It looks like maybe there's like a card table in here, but now it looks like it's partially used for storage. Seems like very little because it doesn't seem to connect to anywhere else. Uh, it seems like very little efforts were made to uh, bar it off from the patrons who are visiting. You find Dimitri just kind of standing there, checking a little device on him. You see his form kind of flicker for a moment as he fine-tunes the illusion around him. Let me just roll something for him real quick. And he is just kind of waiting there silently for a time. Soup, do you wait as well? I'm waiting, but also keeping a very close mental check on the time so I don't dramatically fall through the ceiling. You imagine you're probably about halfway through. So, are you are you going to like at, wait there for at least a few minutes, or I'm wait there for a few minutes? Probably about five minutes into his waiting there, you see the door creak open as another figure looks around. Dimitri immediately presses himself behind the door that swings inward to kind of remain out of sight for a moment. Soup, are you continuing to watch? I'm continuing to watch. And as the figure goes in and says into the room, Hello, uh, I've been told to look for the whispered one. That's I. As you see, Dimitri has uh, adjusted uh, his his in tunement of, to the uh, the device on his wrist. 
and is no longer in his disguised form. He still wears the beads around his neck, but he looks at you and says, or not you, he looks at the figure and says, <laughs> close the door. All right. That figure looks around suspiciously. Excuse me. Are you sure we're alone? Dimitri looks around. Quite alone. Quite alone, I, I assure you. <laughs> um, I could send up some, some measures if you, you, you think that would help. I suppose it's... Uh, I mean, uh, if you think that that would be helpful, uh, certainly go ahead. It will take a little bit of time. I'm not going anywhere. Indeed. And he starts kind of pulling out these crystals from his cases and starts going to, like, all the sort of corners of the room and seems to be attaching little Aether Tech devices to it. Soup, are you continuing to watch? I'd like to try to sneak into the room before he kind of blocks off my vent. Sure. Go ahead and roll me a stealth check as a spider. Spooter check, let's go. No advantage this time. Yep. Come on, spooter time. I love these dice now. Sometimes they hate me, sometimes they love me. Tonight they love me. I got a natural 20, that makes it a 22. So you could, you have a choice here. You could hide in the corner and near like a tiny little box. You could hide under the table. You could hide under a chair. I'm gonna hide. I'm gonna hide under the table. All right, so you sneak under there where there's a moment neither of them catch you. And they start speaking. I, I really don't go to places like this. Yes, 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 I can tell. Um, how much longer is it going to be? Give me about 10 minutes. And then we can start talking. Hugo, Yenden. Oh. We cut back to the two of you as you find yourself no longer in the presence of the yellow grung who spoke to you before. It is time to do drugs. Yeah. You and Yenden were stuck in a... a, a tight conversation, a serious conversation about what you should do. Okay. If you want me to accompany you, I will. But for me, I can't go back to look at those memories because they're not going to come back. But for you, huh? and I will not, I will have to make my own new memories in order to not get caught up in those forever because that will happen if I take this but for that's, you that's very noble of you oh no not noble it's difficult yeah but for you this may be an advantage yes I feel like I'm missing so many things the only thing is will you get Flint's memories or your own, or your other bodies. Sorry, that that still freaks me out a little. I'm sorry. Oh. Oh, I've, I see what you mean. I'm going to have to take that risk. Okay. If, um, if anything happens, just, and I'm not able to, just please try and get me out of that room and somewhere safe. I hardly suppose I can drag you, but I'll find something to do. 
Thank you. Okay. Right. <clears throat> Let's do this. Let's head into the smoke-filled room. You step within, not quite smoke-filled, but mist-filled, the sort of silvery vapor, like Aether you've seen before, but in a sort of aerosolized form. As you drift in here and kind of lazily see the swirling miasma drift in front of you, you can see the chamber itself has maybe another six individuals spread throughout it, lounging on curtains, sort of uh, bluish light refracting off the aether, creating this sort of drifting disco-like pattern that lazily goes around the walls. You hear the sound of stringed music being played from an old sort of uh, like stereo player, probably pre-eclipsing, that has been sort of retrofitted to run on Arkstone energy. And as you make your way in here, you see that there are several sort of hookah pots, basically, drifting around here. Maybe three of them are like Three people are occupied around one, which is the most. There's probably like two more, one of which has someone lying near it, but they are not actively having their hand on the hose. Is there, is there one that's completely unoccupied? That is the most unoccupied one. All right. Um... There's someone near it, but they seem to be passed out on a sort of chaise lounge. I guess I'll take that one. All right. As you and Hugo walk to the far side of this chamber room in Yendon, you sit down on the beautiful sort of lavender-scented uh, cushions. Hugo, do you stand up or do you sit down? I'll sit down. You're sitting next to each other. Within this space, there's some laughing and giggling. Hear this the sound of crying behind you in the sort of second booth where two individuals, one lying in the lap of the other, seem to be reminiscing over something that they lost, some some memory that's hard to relive. And okay. Yendon, the device is in front of you, this silver mist drifting out of the top and the hose attached to it. Are you sure about this? At this point, there's no turning back. Okay. Tell me what you see. Okay. I will take the hose and take a light inhaling. You inhale this sort of mist, and it's strange. At first, it seems to almost be this sort of strange chemical taste that lingers only faintly in it. But then it seems to shift into sweet flavors, flavors of of memories you have, Gendon, of being in the wasteland and harvesting jam, you know, from the berry bushes that grow in the cracks and in the shade, of one time finding a candy bar made with honey and wafers, still cool, still preserved, one time when you were much younger a memory that hadn't even resurfaced until now it's, it smells and tastes like flavors you remember bringing on this strange sense of nostalgia and euphoria that seems to almost lower your defenses for a moment 
before you find yourself not thinking as clearly as you did before. Yenden, I want you to begin by making a wisdom saving throw. Oh, of course it's a wisdom saving throw. <laughs> oh no, it's a nine. <laughs> you drift into these memories and think about your time with the tribe. Remembering your time in your youth when the storms crackled heavily above you. Tempests that you had to hide from and being the smallest, you were often the one who was sent through the narrow cracks to see when it was clear for sometime only two or three hours was allotted before your people had to find themselves underground again. You think about a figure that was with you, a parental figure, you think. You're not sure if they were your mother, your father, an uncle or aunt, but someone who you could connect as your flesh and blood, who loved you, who didn't think about now, but then a feeling of loss. Yenden, I need you to roll me now an intelligence saving throw. Oh. That's a 10. The feelings of loss, of nostalgia, begin to wash over you, and the feelings, the sensations of what happened begin to cloud your mind, filling it with static, feeling this, this substance drifting deeper into your cranium, lodging itself into parts of your gray matter that had not been touched in a very long time, and sizzling and crackling with the synaptic energy that they seem to resonate off of, and the sensation hurts and crackles and, and makes your head feel fuzzy. I need you to roll me a constitution saving throw as you begin. You feel like you're about to lose consciousness. Alright. Ugh. Alright. At least with the plus six, that's a 15. The plus a what again. now? I you see... Yeah. Plus six. How the... Hugo, apparently soup is getting all of Gyndon's good rolls. <laughs> you see Gyndon take a small puff and breathe gently, and then their mouth almost seems to kind of tighten around there until their hand falls limp for a second. And this passes in the space of maybe only a minute. As Hugo, you just kind of see him inhaling and not pulling it out. But then you see his body flex and spit out the hose of this apparatus. Yenden. I need you to roll me a d20. As you try to unlock what is within. You are currently at two fails and one success. So that I have a modifier. Eleven. What's an eleven? That counts as a success. Yes. I don't oh. know what this succeed is for, but yes. <laughs> You find your, your mind struggling to keep up with the influence of this this mist, this synthetic magical substance that is probing into your mind, bringing these memories to the surface. At times you start thinking of the, the pain and the blood and the violence and the threats and you see memories of your tribe and you see memories of yourself when you were young and the storms and the, the, the famine and the warlords and, and the battle, the battle you died in. And just as that static was building in your brain, it drops. 
you find yourself at peace. A peace that you've felt once before, but maybe not a peace that you wanted. Maybe not a peace you were satisfied with, but one you are given. You think that this might be death. No thinking really involved in it. No memory, no thought. Just a sensation of existing and then not existing. And it's a strange alien sensation. You feel when you're sober, you may not even really be able to describe properly how it feels. But that longing, that regret that lingers with you. You feel fingers grasping towards you, trying to snatch whatever this non-existence is for you. Except for one. One who speaks to you in a slightly feminine voice, but not quite. Will you help me fight the war that you endured? Will you help me save everything? Do I respond? Can I respond? It's not really so much of can you respond, but you remember your response. You remember the concern and the question and wanting to know about your tribe. And you remember getting that answer, getting that satisfaction, but agreeing to help her, seeing her cause as noble. And then you remember you don't remember, but you just think that sensation, that sensation that's always been lingering at the back of your mind, the blood, the annihilation, the screams of war. Never ending war. Blood. Death. That same sort of non-existence. Not felt by yourself, but by the hundreds, thousands, millions under your command you sent towards oblivion and as you begin to feel that sensation these memories not quite manifesting themselves in a way that your mortal mind can comprehend you feel as though maybe you are something else something different something more powerful reincarnated and then coming out of that memory you just find yourself coughing next to Hugo. Hugo, Gyndon has been out for like 30 minutes. He just passed out. Suppose I'm Hugo's probably... What did you do during that time? <laughs> oh, during that time? Mm-hmm. Well, while I'm waiting for him to come to, I guess I'll probably just play play a little bit on on my horn. Play some music for the other folk in there. What do you play? Something really relaxing, really smooth, and that only needs the melody, doesn't need any backing, 
Is it something you've ever played before, or is this something new? No, it's something new. It's just me improvising, seeing what the mood is, feeling it. Probably it's slightly strange. influenced by the smoke as well. Probably, yeah. Like It's not so much like you feel like the same sensation Yendon had when he first inhaled the substance, but that same sort of element of like you start to smell smells that are familiar to you. You start to kind of feel tastes in your mouth of like the first time you ever blew into that a trumpet and the sort of uh, non-finish kind of left a sort of metallic tang on your tongue. Sort of sensations that kind of didn't make you fall in love with music but were there when you fell in love with music. And not really inhaling a bunch of the stuff you you just kind of find yourself really more in the zone than anything and there were people in there who were laughing maniacally some were crying you're not sure when during your little solo performance in the den you realize this but those sounds permeated at the beginning of your playing but about two, three, five minutes into your trumpet solo. Those sounds had stopped. Figures aren't all standing up, maybe one or two do. And as you play, and you end your sort of little ballad, you find a halfling woman walking up to you, an older one, kind of shambling towards you, her eyes drifting lazily. She approaches you and tries to put a hand on your shoulder. Do you resist? No. I took my grandchildren to hear you play, Hugo. Never thought I'd get a chance to hear you again. And she'll give you a little kiss on the cheek Aww. as she wanders out of the den. Oh. Wow. Another one walks forward. A human man, heavier set, leans down to you and, and just kind of drifts lazily. I need to be somewhere. I'll just kind of shamble out of the space. They're the only two that do that, but they leave. Seemingly inspired by something you provided that this vice could not. And with that, Gienden, you just wake up coughing on the nearby couch. <laughs> and with that, I'll like start, like do a little st start and um, put away my trumpet and the, the, the kind of trance I was in is a little bit broken. So I'll lightly, with my and small Hugo. halfling hands, just like smack his face. And Hugo. Bit. Yeah. Feel free to resolve this internally however you feel but when you were playing there and when those people looked at you mm -hmm. they looked at you with an appreciation that even during the height of your music career you had not experienced mm -hmm. people who genuinely felt their lives changed by listening to the music you were passionate to play yeah And the trumpet feels a little bit warmer in your hand. I'll give it a, I'll give it a little, <laughs> like a genie lamp. I'll give it a little rub. A little rub, mm -hmm. sure. 
And I'll think about that for a moment. I'll think on it for another moment. Yendon, yeah, you are awake and you have those memories coming back. That sort of female diva-like form asking you to fight her war. You sympathizing with her, agreeing to help, but not, I don't know if you, you want to interpret it as regret or you want to interpret it as fear or anger, but you, that memory lasts with you. The, the, the feeling of bloodshed, the, the weight of the millions of souls that you feel as you've sent towards annihilation. Yuko, I... I remember. Okay, that's a loaded answer. What do you remember? And whose memory is it? It was definitely mine. I saw, I saw my childhood, and I saw my death, my first one. Really? And, yes. And, and there was this woman, I think, asking me to help fight her war and save everything. And well? I agreed. Hmm. Did you save everything? I don't think so. All all that was after that was endless war and death and destruction. I don't know if I saved anything at all. Uh, and you're sure these are yours and not uh, big boy here? Who else could have... Who else would have gone through something that, like that? This was definitely me. Okay. But you carry around ears, or well, he did. I did not see any ears. <laughs> Roll me a, an investigation check, Yendon, real quick. <laughs> While we are on the topic. <laughs> 19. <laughs> you notice that your jar of ears is not currently on you. Oh shit, where are my ears? They're on your head. <laughs> and what's that? With that, we're going to cut the soup. <laughs> can be before I cut. Can I point out? The With ears that, that we're going to cut. The yeah, you point soup. that out. <laughs> we cut the soup. Probably about 45 minutes into uh, your wild shape. Just, just thinking to himself, like, why are these guys dragging this out? Why are these guys dragging this out? Probably daydreaming and... about standing on the head of some ginger and lightly tugging the hair to control their cooking. As you are under their soup, just kind of literally spidered against the top of this table. As a um, spider. Dimitri finishes casting his ritual, um, seeming to be protecting this space in some, secu some secure manner. He steps down from a sort of chair he was carrying it around, and he says, Implements are in place. We, no one outside of this room will be able to hear what we discuss. Thank you. That's that's all I needed. <laughs> He's not wrong. Um, <laughs> indeed. Would you mind remind telling me your your name again? Uh, yeah, my name is uh Matthias. And um, and you speak on behalf of the. Uh, what do you call yourselves again? 
uh, the 19th Street Union. Um, they, 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 they said I, I might be able to, to find some, some help with the Twisted Dagger and all. And Dimitri says, you will want to be careful about dealing with their espionage resources. I understand you feel like you have a lucrative offer, but I can assure you that once you get in bed with them, you'll never be able to get out. Uh, I mean, but what about you? I've got my own net of resources. And describe to me exactly what your problem is. And I may be able to help. Um, I, I really did not expect to be, uh, uh speaking to you this evening. Um, but, yeah. We, we got ways of, of, of picking up chatter. And some of our devices, we, we've got set to Aethertech frequencies. They, they're talking about an arm shipment. An arm shipment to the Velvet Blue of next generation energy weapons. They're, they're in response to what we're doing. They're, they're, they're gonna smoke the place. They're gonna outfire and outnumber us. And, and, and we're so close to being able to fortify our, our position. So close to rolling out production. And and if, if 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 these things get 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 to us before two weeks can go by, Dimitri says. And you are seeking to make sure that these weapons do are delayed, perhaps, or do not reach their intended destination. I mean, I don't want people to get hurt, and I I don't know. I, I imagine the twisted dagger might use them in the spirit world, but they wouldn't affect the rest of Electroval. I just, I just, we've worked so hard working and fighting for our cause of, of, of being able to negotiate our own rights, time with our family. I don't even know the last time I've seen mine. I don't even know what I've gotten into at this point. Matthias, listen. And Dimitri kind of places his hand on his shoulder. The world does not change by men and women who sit around in their lives doing nothing. They don't change much when one is looking over their own interests and the interests of them looking close to them. We cannot blame everyone who wishes to protect family first, but the people who make the real change are the ones who are willing to admit that what is happening is not acceptable and is willing to fight and risk all that they have so that their children can have a brighter tomorrow. I sympathize with your cause, Dimitri. And in Supet, probably at this point, you're not entirely sure when it's going off. It might go off five minutes from now. It might go off one minute from now. They've kind of been having this lengthy conversation. But Soup... Soup deeply connects to what they're talking about. Soup feels deeply moved by this guy's cause, believes in it, believes in the idea that nobody should ever feel bound against against their will, even if they kind of have to do something financial for their financials, they still have a right to, you know, have a full life and not feel and not be, you know dragged down by it. I don't know how to describe it better, but they really Soup sympathize with the union. cause. 
So you are not going to try to escape, or are you going to try to hold on longer, or are you going to I'm make yourself going known? I'm going to try to hold on longer. Oh, no. And if anything, I guess I can emerge from under the table and be oh, like, no. I agree with you, boys. <laughs> Something was telling me. So, even better, I can it. go, even better, I can go off into a shadowy corner and just shape form up into my whole self and be like, <laughs> hi. So, no. I would allow that to happen, but I rolled, because I said there would be a maximum of five minutes left, I rolled a 1d6 minus one to see how much many, how many minutes were left. <laughs> I rolled a one minus one. <laughs> you have no time. Too bad. <laughs> the table gets knocked out under them um, as as uh, Matthias just leaps out and tries to like pull a crossbow shakily, but obviously not really knowing how to handle one. And Dimitri says, what the bloody... Soup. Matthias is like... He drops the crossbow and the bolts. Cool. He, he puts his hands up. It's chill. It's chill. Whoa, 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 whoa. Here's the thing. I've revealed myself because I sympathize with your cause. Soup. <laughs> what, what? Soup, you can't just be following my best. Are, are you okay? I am so sorry. I know this individual. They are a, a trusted contact of mine. Um, I make good soup. You can come by later and, and just, just... Just, just, just as a sorry for this whole situation, I can offer you some uh, apology, uh, an apology. I'd, I'd, I'd invite you to where I'm staying, but uh, it's a little bit under siege right now. Um, I, I, if you're offended, Demetrius, it's fine. And Demetrius says, I, I, I tried to tell my friend to wait outside. I needed backup just for assurances in a place like this. And my thighs, is, I completely understand. Um, Oh, you just scared me a, a little bit. Uh, I saw the way sorry about that. Uh, hold on one second. And I needed and to this... figure out what he was doing in the background. You see this figure? He pulls out like a little pill container, and there's like maybe like three pills left, and he pulls one out <laughs> and swallows it, and just kind of begins breathing slowly. I'm sorry about that. I got a little bit of a soft heart. It's... <sighs> I'm trying to avoid it's stress. Right. Yeah. Uh, especially, especially with everything you guys seem to be going through with the union and the fight you're fighting. And he you're... like thoroughly like looks at the two remaining pills in the container and tucks it away. You're you're doing everything you can, and even even on top of that medical issue. Can I take a look at those? I, I maybe I can. You seem to be. You you know where to get more, right? You ah. Um, I mean, this is a medication. A, a friend of mine been trying to provide me some of them, but it's kind of been a bit expensive. Family condition. Hmm. Um, it's it's fine though. Um, seriously. Um, for if things work out, I won't even. We won't need the rest of them. Either that, or we'll all be dead by then. <laughs> Funny thing about throwing a revolution, mm. even if it's just a, an industrial one. Hey, hey, hey. Well, hey. I mean, <laughs> I'm no doctor in in the legal sense, but you know, out in the swamp, they say I'm great at what I do. <laughs> I I appreciate that. I I appreciate your your offer, but I I really don't know how long I can stay undercover. I didn't exactly have permission to enter here mm. i was hoping to 
contact the, uh, the, 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 the hidden face of the Twisted Dagger. Um, but gentleman contacted me and said to meet here as well. Yeah, um, I have a feeling. So that he might be able to, he might be able to, to guarantee what I want to happen. I have a feeling the Twisted Dagger itself, from how I've interacted with them, would probably just squeeze y'all dry. I was hoping they'd just be happy with, with the, the weapons, if they could track them down. But what good do they do they have? We're not the ones going out there finding the inventory list. For all we know, they're, they're, already, they're already in the Sky Dock, waiting to be signed and picked up by the Velvet Blue. We got nothing but crossbows and, and, and crowbars and sledgehammers and maybe the occasional sword or longbow, but we can't hold back that sort of weaponry. They'll, they'll wipe us out until we gotta surrender. I look back, I look... I, um... See, I look... Like, Dimitri looks at you and just kind of whispers to your ear, like, you do realize that this sort of espionage is a very dangerous game. to do wait, uh, so I know this and I can't go back on knowing it and you just can't sit to the side they're fighting for a just cause and you know if there's something worth fighting for and you agree with it you know it's it's worth it's worth joining them with with what you have to a reasonable degree like he looks at you and says uh, Matthias looks at you and says I appreciate your sympathy in the cause Picking up arms to fight with us is, is not an, an easy thing. So many of us have had to sacrifice. I mean, we went into here trying to look for, for better pay, more representation of workers and in, the, in, in, in our boss's payroll. Everything's run by, by the, the elite, the Ganassi and such on top. We just wanted a little bit of, a little bit of freedom. We wanted to be able to go home and see our families more often. How much do you know about the college. Do what would I think the college would agree with their cause? Roll me a history check to know where the college stands. Oh boy. Oh boy, I'm dumb. Oh. I'm dumb. That's oh. a two. <laughs> Do you ask any of this out loud? Do you ask yeah, you probably would not. Um you aren't entirely sure. Like, you imagine, like, they're all about, like, you know, the College of the Macabre is, like, a co-op. It is a shared resource. No one really owns it. There are those who have more of a management position, but, you know, policy decisions, governance are kind of voted on all equally. Everyone's kind of involved because everyone's benefiting. Um, doesn't really have the same sort of uh, capitalistic structure that the merchant princes are built off of. Um, but you would know, at the very least, that, to kind of describe what the 19th Street Union is, they are kind of a sort of workers' rebellion that has basically fortified a steel mill in the city, or a sort of metal foundry in the city, and have basically fortified it, saying, we're on strike, we're not working for you, here's all your all the managers who keep that we don't like because of their policies that they're enforcing, so they're kicked out. And we are not going to end until either you meet our terms we set, or we establish our own cooperative uh, as as this sort of strike. But what that kind of turned into is now a whole altercation between the Velvet Blue, who's the police, 
and the funding from the merchant princes who for a large part are one of the major donors of the Velvet Blue. Mm. So it's just kind of like the standoff between workers trying to fight for sort of better wages and uh, better work policies, you know, more vacation days, less days during the week they need to work, fewer hours, um, more benefits like health and stuff. Because a lot of that, those jobs are dangerous, but it's kind of become this sort of political issue that has become a bit divisive in the city because many are saying that what they're doing is kind of going against the progress of innovation. If they don't want those jobs, there's plenty of other jobs they could go take that aren't with the company and stuff like that. So it's kind of a hot issue. Mm-hmm. And this has been going on for maybe about... Weeks in Electroval are about five days each, so this has been happening maybe only about three or four weeks. So for less than a month. All right, well... I mean, I currently work with the College of the Macabre, and, you know, we, we treat things much differently differently than your company, so the best I can think of at the moment is approaching them and seeing... We already tried approaching them, I'm sorry, but we spoke to them and they, they sympathized with what we were doing, but they got so much business and association with the Merchant Princes, they just, uh, well... They felt like they needed to remain neutral on the the conflict. They offered to help us if things ever went south or whatnot, or be happy to enter negotiations if we ever work out something better, but... Mm. Nah, it's a a bit of a dead end for what we're working on right now. And really, I doubt that there'll be... There'll be a strike in five days from now. If these firearms from Citadel Senate make their way to the Velvet Blue. Well, all right. I'll tell you right now. I'm proficient in healing. I'm pretty okay with fighting. And for about an hour at a time, I can turn into some small critter, and it's already gotten me into some interesting places like this room. What can I do to help? Dimitri, like, looks at you and looks at the two of you. I have a little bit of a plan. I don't exactly have the manpower to essentially traffic these weapons away. That would also be a very dangerous job. Truthfully, these sort of weapons would be a very powerful tool towards any militant group that got a hold of them. The problem that... The solution that I was considering, perhaps, if all that they need is more time, and if they are at the loading dock, if we could access where they are being held, perhaps alter the paperwork, make them get lost in the system for a bit longer before anyone knows. May have to bribe a couple of people, may have to break into a few offices. I'm pretty sure Those are the services I'd be able to provide. I'm pretty sure you thought about this already. I just want to know why it's a bad idea. What if we well, just the... set them off early within, with at the loading dock? Then they'd just be Um, gone. Well, that would be the other option, is that if we found a buyer for such arms, they would be probably more than happy to essentially move it with us once we track down the location and disable whatever security measures would get in the way of them. But that would mean that we would be handing over very dangerous weapons to a militant group that doesn't exactly have the same interest as the ones that are currently controlling Electrovault. 
But that would be more efficient and that would solve the problem our friend Matthias and his working associates are having much more efficiently. Matthias looks at you and says, truthfully, whatever you think will work out best and will hurt the least amount of people. I trust for your judgment. And and really, if you can help us with that, it's not exactly much to work with, but we've made a little bit of a living space in the foundry. We'd be more than happy to try your cooking after two months <laughs> of, uh, well, company-based rations. Ah, I'm just I'm just weighing out the options here. So if they were set off early, it would be a big explosion in that area. And gosh, a lot of people. We would, would probably hurt. not want to uh, set them off, considering the uh, residential proximity to exactly. that duck. But at the same time, if you handed them off to a military group... That we would, would likely blow off the... We would probably blow off the entire top with the amount of energy output oh. that is being estimated really? in these weapons. Really? Yes. How do they it would, it all in there? It is uh, technology I am not 100% competent with. I know some Aethertech. It is dangerous, though. And truthfully, I feel like if Matthias is giving us his blessing on behalf of the 19th Street Union to pursue means. I think that if you and perhaps your associates are interested in taking time out of your mission to aid in this, I would be happy to to include you in those discussion of perhaps what you think is best to do with these weapons. Uh. We estimate there to be about uh, between 20 and 30 of them, I believe. Hmm. If I had to guess, yeah. And we expect security measures to be in place, perhaps even uh, hired help to protect them, let alone probably a very large police response if we were to trip off any sort of alarms, silent or otherwise. Understood. But I feel like we are pulling Matthias away from his responsibilities, and Matthias, truthfully, however much time it takes, is worth it. Yeah. And, and really, it's just the stress of this place I'm trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. Not much use if I if I had a, have a heart attack halfway through our strike. Yeah, and uh, I kind of take out a little slip of paper and like scroll out, scroll out my address. Ugh, you can usually find me here, hopefully, or at least you can find a place to call or a way to reach me. If you need any help with your heart, I'll Dimitri do says, I can to help you. Dimitri like takes that. And then summons, pulls out a little lighter and just sits it on fire. Oh. It may be best when dealing with this sort of stuff to leave addresses out of it. Alright, but then how can you... I will... I have my ways of staying in contact. I will stay in contact with you. Thank you again, Sip. I know you're trying to help, but I do not want you to endanger yourself or your family in any unnecessary way. Understood. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm very new to all this stuff. Do I not be sorry. The, uh, the proper procedure. Do not be sorry. You are simply backup. Gives you a wink. I don't know what that means, but okay! We should probably check in on the others. I did a little bit of uh, talking around. I don't know how much you saw. Uh, potentially on some leads for the inventor, but we should really check on what happened to um, Hugo and Flint. Yeah. Anyway, as you start making your way out, Matthias walks up to you and just kind of shakes your arm. Maybe with a, couple, a, a tear he's trying to hold back in his eye. And you see that this man is kind of like... Uh, not a super dark skin, but kind of like a sort of mixed human complexion. Um, and he just kind of like looks at you with a sort of bow tie and, and actually pretty nice worker's jacket. And he holds your hand and just says, really means a lot that you care. I know there's good folk in the city, but sometimes when you wander through places like this, you forget that. 
I open my arms up for a hug. He'll hap he's a hugger. He'll hug you. <laughs> I hug pick bear him up. Time. And he bear, looks at you. Hug bear. And he looks at you and says, and maybe I might have to try some of those uh, alternative medication options if uh, if it gets me through the end of this. If um, only to keep down stress. My friend will make my friend will uh make make sure make sure you find me and I mean, I have stuff. I have stuff on me for for calming you down, but I don't think it's real good for your heart. So, yeah, that's probably not a good option. Wait, what do you have on you again? I mean, if you want to, you could roll a nature check if you want. Yeah. Or not. Yeah, you can roll a nature check. No. Mm. Survival check. check to understand the effect. Roll, roll me a wisdom-based nature check. Roll me a wisdom-based nature check. <laughs> This is less factual knowledge and more intuition. Yeah. On the scale. Alright, 15. You think you might know something that he could suck on that might that that's very, very mild in its halogenic effects? You don't think it has any sort of heart trouble? Do I have do I have it on my person? It? Yeah, you probably it's probably like in one of your private snuff boxes. Just 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 pick it up. It's like this sort of like little like screw on like wooden capsule, and he like he hands it. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Um, any 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 recommendations for use? There's no instructions on this thing. Ah, uh, you know, you can use it several ways. But if you eat it, it's a little stronger. If you smoke it, it's a little bit faster, but a little bit lighter. But overall, it's very mild, so you shouldn't have any other issues with it. I think I have butterflies. a butterflies. No, I, I, they're not real. There's someone at work who's joined the strike who uh, probably has more experience with this stuff than I do. I'll ask them for advice. Oh, Thank you. You know, tuck the drugs that you <laughs> sold to this this industrial revolutionary away <laughs> as you are currently plotting on selling highly dangerous guns to some foreign militant faction. No comprehension of the weight of what they've just agreed to. They're just like these are good. All the crimes. <laughs> All the crimes. <laughs> these are good people, and I want to help good people. Not fully aware that they're passing off drugs. It's just like that's something you do in your free time. Like just All right. oblivious to everything. That's something you I, do with your friends. I love D and D. <laughs> <laughs> I like this bar, or this place. Great Hugo, Hugo and Gyndon, do you at some point wander out of the, the mist lounge? Yes. The mist den. Yes. Hugo will be yeah. unusually quiet. Yeah. You do notice that when you come into brighter light, like Hugo, like you've maybe like got a tiny little bit of irritation, but you never really in inhaled a substantial amount of the substance. Gyndon's eyes, Flint's eyes, are complete bloodshot. Well... Alright, um, what's the best way to do this? Should I just, like, scream, poof, has my ears? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that people will understand what you mean. I mean, you're right. I don't know. It's, it seems like it seems like Flint would be the person to do that. Good point. And given your reputation, they may know what you're talking about. Alright, you good with that? Maybe, uh, wait, can, is, do I know... 
All right, quick perception check first, looking for my ears. Yeah. Roll a perception check as you try to look around for your ears. (laughs) Ten. All you need is a mirror. You do not see your ears anywhere in sight. You're having trouble focusing your eyes a little bit. You're starting to feel like a sort of head pain from the absorption of the synthetic substance. Okay. Um... Hmm. How do we go about this? I think I'm gonna cause a scene. <laughs> oh yes. All right. I'll shout at the top of my. Lungs. Hello there. Um. Excuse me. Ex- <laughs> Hello. Excuse me. Um. I take it that you are uh, the associates of the wonderful, wonderful lady who uh, asked me to speak to you. The one with the spider on their shoulder. I can't help oh, but imagine you like Flynn just taking a giant breath and being like, "What?" and then just "Hello there," and just like stopping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be us. Yes. Well then, um, either I think I uh, may have introduced my myself again. I am Andre. Um, you are uh, your your friend mentioned that she had to step out something about a break-in at home but that she will be back when she can um can i has my message been delivered well ah yes casually just a break-in in in my home yes your message was delivered well thank you very much for finding us indeed and i i hope that uh she resolves that uh quite well please let me know if you uh require anything else um have you seen have you seen a jar of ears? A jar of ears. They're they're quite important to me. Um I I I I don't know. I mean I can perhaps grab some of the uh, other staff and we could go looking for your you, you said a jar of of ears, correct? Yes. Didn't you hear me? Yes. Uh certainly. Wait a minute. <clears throat> the grung. Staffy. The grung. <laughs> As he's like wandered away and starts like speaking to us and somebody and he starts like talking to her and she's just like looking like horrified and then quizzical and she's like wearing like these like fine sort of uh draping sort of silks. Um and she's like mm-hmm. goes off to look for a jar of ears with Andre. And the two of you start talking about the grung. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna run back down, <laughs> find that grung. So you run back down into the space. Um, you don't see the grung down there. You see the same sort of misted area before you again as you had left it. <sighs> Damn it! Damn it! Where did that frog go? Hmm. Any way of locating frogs? I don't know of any. Best chance would be soup. Uh, Where are they? Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, um, as the two of you do eventually start making your way back up the stairs. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you two, your entire experience with bar, mist den, back up, ears, mist den, back up, <laughs> um, soup. Uh, eventually, you run into uh, Andre, who says, oh, "Hello, I'm sorry, I was looking for you." Um, uh, hello, uh, good fellow. Um, Harvey, I think it was. Hello, Dave. Um, 
in he says, uh, strange. Um, he looks at like he's looking primarily at Dimitri, who's back in his disguise. Says, "Well, um, yes, we um, one of your associates, the uh, woman with the spider on her shoulder, had uh, been looking for. Um, well, apparently she had an unfortunate break-in at her place of residence, and she needed to attend to that immediately. And asked me to pass on the word to you. And I suppose your associate, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hi. Um." <laughs> There is also another question that uh, your two other associates are currently looking for a... Hugo and Yenden, what are your plans when you arrive at the top of the stairs? Hmm. You start asking around, do you sh just shout ears? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Yeah, I'm gonna be like, um, who took my ears? <laughs> Andre is interrupted on the second balcony, on the balcony as he's saying that mid-sentence and you hear your other associates are currently looking for where are my ears <laughs> apparently he has misplaced a jar of ears uh, me and one of my associates are working tirelessly to see that his possessions are returned to him Soup <laughs> currently has doubts that they're making any efforts to make sure anyone's possessions are returned to them but they do not voice this but they are no longer a spider, and they cannot talk. <laughs> Yenden. Oh man. Oh well, Soup. Did you did you shrink down? Because I was just assuming that Andre walks up to the bugbear who like walked out of this this closet, and it's just like, "Hello, Dave. I'm talking to you, but I guess you too." I'm gonna go into the bathroom and think about if I should be a spider, a rat, or a horse. Um, you find that there is a sign that says bathroom, and it is just a room with the wall taken out on the outside. <laughs> and a couple of buckets. Oh. Very dirty buckets. You probably don't want to touch them. Ooh, we love that. Mm -hmm. there's, also, there's also a stack of magazines uh, by Tab Media Worldwide. Old issues. I just take a moment in there. To, like druid craft like like a like a bunch of mushrooms around my neck to look like a spike collar and i'll get into the character of dave before coming out again but as a bugbear <laughs> sure <laughs> yes sure probably at some point you just see that there's like you know probably like this this uh this you probably like see like that bartender down below just kind of squatting over the edge as you're like doing all this and just kind of gives you a nod. Look, su look suits you. And she just kind of pulls up her pants and walks out. <laughs> Thanks. Mm -hmm. I'm Dave. <laughs> no response. <laughs> first impressions. You're making great first impressions today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's the bathroom scene. <laughs> cool. All right, when's the beach episode? <laughs> oh. Um. So as you make your way out there, um, would all of you like to meet up, Yenden? As you are calling this out, no one seems to know what your ears are. Most people just seem to be avoiding you as you are going on your page <laughs> throughout the casino floor. Where are my ears? Where are my ears? Hugo's not following too close behind. <laughs> just kind of like pulling your hoodie up a little bit. 
Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Nobody seems to be doing anything. Can I? Do I see anybody looking awful suspicious besides the usual awfully suspicious people? Roll me a perception. Roll me an insight check. Perception or insight, your choice. They have the exact same modifier, so yay! Let's do insight. Oh wowie, nineteen. Ooh. I mean, most of the attention is being drawn on the scarred-up, scary, angry-looking Goliath who is just walking up to people's tables who have, like, ordered drinks and just saying, I'm looking for a jar of ears about this big. <laughs> 21 of them in total. Where are my ears? And most of the time, people just get quiet and clam up. Some people just start running away. Gienda, do you let them run away? <laughs> um... Yeah, I'll let, them run. I'll let them run away. You just, like, give them, like, a glance, and eventually a couple of, um, probably a few more masculine and some more other feminine-looking uh, escorts begin making their way over. Um, and one of them says, excuse me, oh, if you uh, maybe you want to look upstairs for your missing possession. We'd be more than happy to help as you see, like, these, uh, these three women trying to, like, coax you and calm you down. Oh, boy. <laughs> I am all I'm certain life. that I'm certain that someone as strong as you if you misplaced a possession Lady Caledonia should be happy to provide compensation yes 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 uh, we're quite good at making compensation Ooh. in the background I'm Dave <laughs> <laughs> you appear behind Hugo <laughs> um, but yeah Hugo you uh, look around and there's maybe, like, one figure who's, like, eyeing Yenden in this case, quite intently. That is just kind of standing on the staircase that seems to lead up to the brothel room. And it's just leaning back, and it's kind of a shrouded figure that as soon as you lock eyes with, they just slip upstairs. I would like to say to Soup, Actually, should I say to Genjin too, or should I leave him to uh, keep funnily rampaging around? <laughs> I'm gonna uh, look at Hugo and be like, "Well, right now you've got these three female escorts who current are currently seeing a customer service dilemma, <laughs> and are attempting to make reparations." I, I push them all away. It's like you're not what I'm looking for. <laughs> you see three very handsome-looking male escorts approach you. <laughs> oh, no. oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get. You see one of them covered in tattoos looks up to you and just says, Nice ink. That's not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna like you know, grab soup by the arm and say, Follow me, I think I'm onto something. And then um and I'll pat Genjin on the back and say, Have fun down here, buddy. Or upstairs if you like. I'm really on his back, you slap him on the thigh. Oh yeah, good point. Unless I jump roll me an roll me an athletics check. Okay. Oh god. Unusually <laughs> high acrobatics. A athletics, you're jumping. Darn. That's a plus zero instead. Oh, it's a five. Yeah, yeah. You slap him on the thigh just below the buttocks. Oh man. Not quite on the buttocks, just below it. You you oh. you've achieved the failure so hard that you actually succeeded in not clapping his ass. <laughs> We're calling that a failure? 
You you see the uh, you see Andre approaches you and say, mm, "Excuse me, Mr. Uh, Mr. Flint, if you would like to come up this way, perhaps the uh, possession made its way towards uh, Caledonia's lost and found. We All may right. find uh, we, could, we if if we are unable to locate there, perhaps we could offer something. Maybe not of sentimental value, but maybe monetary value." Uh, as as exchange. Mm. All right, lead me to the lost and found. And Soup and I will the, head for following the mysterious shady dude. The three, the six escorts wipe sweat from their brow and go back to whatever they were doing. <laughs> or whoever. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> that happened. <laughs> You begin making your way up the stairs following Andre's lead. Um, Hugo, Soup, what are you doing? We're following the shady dude. Anytime soon. Dimitri, Dimitri has split off, by the way. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I didn't get to have my one-on-one -on -one conversation with him, but that's for later. Oh, oh, if you want to go ahead and pull him ahead as he's about to drift off, he says, like, there's a couple of leads I want to pull on the inventor, as I promised I would look into that for you. Um, now that my business with Mr. Matthias is taken care of. You you wanted to speak? Uh, yeah, actually. There's, uh, sorry, sorry for, bust, for busting in on, on your conversation. I actually was hoping, uh, the reason I was there is I was hoping to, to catch you in private before he kind of slipped off and we never saw you again. I just, you know, I, I, I get a sense of people. And the sense I get over you, off, off of you and Sky, is that you've been helping her out with the sense of guilt in your heart. And, you know, that's a heavy feeling to have. And I was wondering, what's up? Roll me a straight persuasion check. Oh yeah, I'm proficient in those. <laughs> That's a 19. He lowers his head a little bit and says... My my experience with the women in my life has not always been... I've never quite been able to do enough for them. My mother, she worked as a single parent to take care of me for a long time until she was electrocuted and her spine fried. I've been having to take care of her working my job at the Velvet Blue since I... I always wanted to be someone to change the world, but I feel like I was powerless to do anything with her. With Skye, she is a friend that I hold very dear. I know that her relationship with her mother, well, I know that she would only covet something that I have with mine. I want to help her, but I worry that everything I do, it's just, in the end, it's going to screw her over. 
No matter how hard I, I try to make the world a better place. Think of Matthias, my friend, who I, 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 I spoke to only a moment ago. He wants a better world for his family and his children and his co-workers. And yet every time he speaks of revolution, he's met with a double face of what if everything I'm doing is just going to hurt the people I love, make the lives worse of those I'm trying to improve. And I can't say that I don't feel the same as he does. And whenever I try to make a meaningful change in a world, whether it is mine or whether it is Electroval. Can, is he telling the truth? Roll an insight check. I'm even better at those. <clears throat> 13. You can tell... But there are always the details he is omitting, you know, maybe in regards to Sky's mom, maybe mm -hmm. what, it's not like he's just he, what visions he hopes. Sympathy. He's not trying to get your sympathy. You think that you have built this sort of genuine conversation with him. He legitimately has those doubts that he's expressing to you. Mm -hmm. And he seems like a very guarded figure. And even when he's letting his guard down in this way and being sincere, you can still tell that he has so many barriers up inside himself. Even to you, who has been proven as a confidant and an ally, and maybe even a friend to him, which you imagine he probably doesn't call a lot of people friends mm -hmm. when it isn't like a ploy. He... He's still very guarded and says each word carefully. In my own way, I understand that kind of pressure. It's something when you're expected to do great things in the world, not just by other people, but by yourself as well. In a way, you've automatically called on yourself to be a leader with all the consequences and the complications that it brings with it and it's not a clear path at all but the thing is there aren't that many people in this world who can say that they want to be leaders that they want to make a change and the fact that you know y'all are trying and y'all are actually making a stand of course you have hesitations it's complicated it's messy it's impossible to understand everything that could happen but by doing something you're rolling the dice and you're seeing if you can make a better world and thus by trying y'all are being honorable people even if the results aren't perfect they're change and change one after another that's what brings a better world, even if the one you wanted to make doesn't have the immediate impact you hoped for. Change, leadership, and maybe not always getting the world that you set out for immediately. I never wanted to be a leader, Soup. The best I still don't want to be. Wanted to be. I may have to do some reflecting on that. Thank you. I I should make best use of the time we have, and it would appear that your 
companions are making their way up to the upper suites, likely towards Miss Caledonia, mm -hmm. or at least in her proximity. I have enough to attend to down here. You go support them. Give him a friendly clap on the back. He doesn't seem like much of a hugger. Yeah. Now you with your arms, you don't need to roll an athletics check. <laughs> and he thanks you and makes his way off. And a beat lasts there for a moment, Soup. As when you had that connection with him, you really seem to listen. And it's almost as if sound for you almost seemed to dissipate as well. The sounds of the ringing bells and the laughing and the fighting and the chattering and the laughing and the perhaps the occasional thumping upstairs was almost muted as you had that moment. But then it all comes back to you. You remember where you are, why you're here, and that there are others who need you as well. I go up to help him. Don't want to spread right, myself. Where are my thin. ears? <laughs> And with that, as you make your way up to Cranberry Caledonia's throne room, kingpin and open face of the Twisted Dagger, we are going to leave it there. That was a wonderful episode. You have been listening to Electroball, as featured on Dice Carnival. We appreciate your support in listening to this podcast and leaving us a good rating. Please consider subscribing and following us on Twitter. Music is used with permission by This Way to the Egress. You can find links to them, some of our sponsors, and other collaborators in the description below. And lastly, remember that even folks like Soup need support sometimes. Be there for them. <laughs>